competitors are all the same. They're all going to be able to do very similar features and functionality and compete on cost. And once you get to a competition on cost, you've lost the fight and you've lost that potential to make a difference. But once you start to talk about that, creating value in an organization and, and driving that value and, and helping your salespeople understand that, that's when you win. And so for us, it's about balancing those two things. It's managing people's process and their time and sharpening their skills and being able to articulate what value really means in the mind of the customer. This is a special edition of the Digital Surfing Podcast because it is combined with the Hubble Digital Growth Inbound Conference. I am interviewing Carl Tate. He's the Sales Development Program Manager at DocuSign. I'm your host, Darren Smith. In this episode, we're going to cover really great things around sales development, tips to improve the performance of your XDR team, and how to effectively question for coaching. Let's get straight into it. I'm joined here today with Kyle. This is a joint Grow With Inbound event, as well as we're recording a digital surfing podcast. Welcome, Kyle. How's it, I'd like to say, because although you are in Australia, a fellow South African. Yeah, I am. Thanks so much, Darren. Thanks for inviting me to be a part of this. Just on that topic, has it got out of your system saying, how's it? Or do you still say, how's it? And people in Sydney and wherever else you've been look at you as though you're crazy. No, I try and keep my South African colloquialisms fresh at all times, make sure people know where I'm from, especially when it comes time for Rugby World Cup and all of those <laughs> things we were enjoying over the last 18 months. So it's a, it's a good dig to my friends, although I will say the last two games against Australia didn't help too much with the group chat, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Do you want to get, start off with just giving us a bit of an overview background? Who is Kyle? I grew up in South Africa, went to boarding school in the Natal Midlands and moved through my career with different cities from you know, Cape Town through to the US and then ultimately here to Sydney uh, about two and a half years ago. And I joined DocuSign just over six months ago now looking after their onboarding around their XDR function. So their inbound sales development role and the market development role as well, helping the sales development organization really manage some of the growth that they're facing, create some consistency around that, and then ultimately help with coaching and upliftment of our new hires here at DocuSign. So I'm going to make an assumption then. In your past roles, were those in sales? They were a mixture of sales and operations. I typically, mm-hmm. my background has been in high growth organizations across different industries. Some of, you know, being in the conferencing space as well, always aligned with technology in some way, but really across function. When I moved to the US, for example, I moved with the intention of helping grow and develop a, a conference business there around the SAP portfolio. And so moved there, helped develop those, that organization and all those sales are think is something that every single person needs to hone as a skill. It's often not very inherent to people. And so you're working with sales organizations, trying to manage their processes, manage their capability development has always been something that's been very passionate or a passion of mine, whether I've been directly involved with them or or working in operations, trying to get the most out of our salespeople. It's always been something I've been focused around. In onboarding new sales reps, you know, from your background before, Are you preaching what you practice? Were you a top performer and you are taking all that knowledge you gained 
and sharing it with them? Or how are you using your background to coach and onboard those new people? It's an interesting one. So yes, I've got those runs on the board. I think any salesperson that wants to coach people on how to sell needs to know how to do sales. I've sort of spent a lot of my time in business development, in sales, a lot of that in the operations side, working strategically and trying to get the right outcome for the business and that ultimately driving revenue to the organization. Where I think things have become quite different, particularly in the SaaS space, is how you manage that sales cycle how you go through those sales processes and an XDR function, a sales development rep comes in very green with a very limited exposure and experience to the sales function. And so my role really on that front is to help them come in to an organization, feel comfortable in the role that they're getting into, help them develop their capabilities and their skills and really that foundation to be good salespeople. The coaching then comes off of the back of that of using their core skills, using what we deem as being necessary skills for them to get started in their role and start to challenge their thinking around more strategic thinking, more collaborative thinking across the organization, how they're going to make impact within their current role while also thinking about their careers moving forward and particularly the role that they want to get into when they move on and when they are up for promotion. So yes, it comes from an experience background. A lot of it does come from a research background as well, understanding how salespeople work and ultimately figuring out how people buy. I think that's an important thing to note is not just how we manage the sales process, but how we also manage the buyer's process too. Really, really interesting. There isn't a diploma or degree or anything like that in sales. And listening to you speak, you're pretty much offering that to a bunch of people that start in their career because it sounds like you're setting them up for future success. Yeah, it's, it's not something that people learn inherently, but I think it's a skill that can be developed. You know, like anything that you try and learn, you know, it's that nature versus nurture mentality. You can be an incredibly talented salesperson who doesn't hone their craft and they don't drive the right results. They end up just being people to talk in circles. Whereas I think some people, when they can articulate and when they can see their sales process from a more strategic viewpoint or a more academic viewpoint and try and instill the core skills that are required to be a successful person, you can start to develop no matter what skills people have or even what skills people lack, you can start to sharpen those sales skills. I think what's important for salespeople is authenticity. You know, we try and hire very diverse background people, uh, a very diverse group of individuals, some who are more extroverts and some who are, are, are complete introverts. But as soon as we can articulate value and as soon as we can align some of those key priorities of the people that we're selling to, those personas that we're selling to with the value that DocuSign are able to offer our customers, it really makes for a joint partnership. And I think that the best salespeople don't sell, they offer value. And so that's really what we try and get across you know, in their first four months and try and uplift that throughout their career. Something I want to double click on there is you spoke about the strategic part of sales. Now, your job title, uh, sales development manager, one of the things that I thought that you might be involved in is identifying new strategic plays. But maybe it's more a case of identifying strategic plays and then onboarding the team. What outreaches should you do? How frequently? What is the messaging? All that type of thing. So who and how does those kind of strategic plays develop within DocuSign? 
I think there's been so much growth that has happened for DocuSign over the last 18 months. We're one of those very special organizations that have benefited when other companies were struggling through the global pandemic, through COVID. We've really been a key driver in terms of digitizing processes in an organization. From a leadership perspective, from our, our sales managers through to the executives, it's about understanding some of those industries that we should be going after and what the use cases are within those industries and then creating those plays and those outreach campaigns to align that messaging with those key priorities that we've really gone into the last 18 months with the lens of not all of our customers fit the same profile. Some of our customers are facing hardships and are struggling. And how do we articulate value to them in terms of reducing cost or to reducing the amount of time it takes for them to get those agreements back and have those new billable customers so that they can generate more revenue versus other organizations that have simply not been able to meet in person and sort of had to think about how to digitize some of their processes and agreements being one of those processes. We look at that from a data perspective. We look at that from understanding where our customers currently sit and struggles that they're facing. And we create those strategic plays based on that. We look at it from a quarter by quarter basis as well of which industries are at a certain point throughout the year. Typically, higher education, for example, is an industry that is now in their planning phase, preparing for their 2022 curriculum. And so they're an industry that is looking at investing in technology. So we really go through with what are our customers doing? Where, where are they in their planning phase? And how do we go after them at the right time? So the way that we operate for ourselves, we've got our own BDR team that's doing outbound. We've got an inbound team as well much smaller compared to DocuSign. But what we've tried to do is we've identified three key decision makers that we need to reach, the CTO, the CMO, chief sales officer, and we've created an A-B test on each one. And we've set out a sequence that speaks of one theme of messaging and then a, a second sequence. And we go between those and we're trying to work out which one's performing better. And then each quarter we review those. Now, in terms of your experience in BDR development, SDR development, do you think that's a good approach in terms of giving the team templates? The way that we work is they clone those templates, they personalize them to their own tone and style a little bit, but not majorly because we're trying to do A-B tests and see what's working. And then obviously they personalize in each send. But I suppose the question is, what degree of flexibility and individuality do you give and do you think works for an SDR and BDR type function? With regards to our outbound motion, uh, we really think about it in terms of three tiers, that being a strategic tier, transactional tier, and then an air cover tier. And so we do have templates that we use. Typically, what we'll do is we'll create campaigns around particular industries, a particular line of businesses, say CTO of a healthcare industry, for example. We will understand where our propensity to buy sits and where our ideal customer profile sits and the types of leads that we're getting from those industries already. And it might not be the CTO that we're receiving that interaction from already. Maybe it's other contacts within that organization. And so what we will do is we'll identify those high propensity to buy customers and we'll bucket them into a strategic play. And that strategic play is very tailored. And we speak the language of leaders to those customers. We identify what their executive priorities are that keep them up at night. What keeps that CTO in the healthcare industry up at night? 
We try and articulate and identify that and we try and pair what we're doing with current customers within that same industry and the value that we're able to get from them. And I think customer references are an excellent way for you to portray credibility in that industry uh, and experience in that industry. So when we're reaching out to those strategic level customers, what we're really saying to them is, I've spoken to other customers that have faced a significant issue, just like the one that I bet you're facing with at the moment. How we've been able to help them is by implementing X and delivering Y results. I have some ideas around how we'd be able to partner with your organization as well and be able to deliver similar results. Do you have 15 minutes to talk? And so that, that's a really handheld, personalized message that we deliver to that strategic layer. From a transactional point of view, we also identify the key priorities or those executive priorities that sit there, but we use technology to help us drive that message and drive the consistent message. And we use those templates and we use a cadence in order to reach out to them in in a particular way that we know drives results. And that can be multiple touches. It can be dials and calls on the same day, et cetera, to try and get them to contact us back or have that moment and that opportunity to have that conversation. And then those further away customers who you might not close and really they're your database, your less interacted database, we then put those into an air cover campaign and we focus a lot of our efforts on nurture campaigns around marketing. And so our marketing will generate that feedback. And as soon as we start to get some traction with those customers, we move them from being a nurtured customer or an air cover campaign, moving it up into that transactional campaign and be able to warm those leads up and work with them in that way. We're finding significant results in being able to do that. But I think that the key objective for us is being able to delineate which of those customers sit within each of those areas. I'm going to put you on the spot here and just, uh, you mentioned results. Now, do you have anything off the top of your head? Like when you have a new person onboarding and they've got their first 30 to 60 days, what type of results might they be getting in terms of meetings booked and so on compared to somebody that's gone through the onboarding process? Does it increase significantly? What does success look like for a BDR? Success for a BDR, obviously targets are one thing, but it's really moving through that pipeline and knowing if your number is X at the end of the month, what inputs do you need to have in terms of being able to deliver your number? So some of our MDRs, we work through an SQO, which is a sales qualified opportunity. And prior to that is a sales qualified lead, which when they hand over a sales qualified lead to the AE, it's then the AE's responsibility to qualify that lead. And so we can look at numbers pretty quickly and have benchmarks in place that we can say to new hires, if your target is 10 SQOs in a month, you need to deliver 30 SQLs in a month in order to hit your number, bearing in mind the fact that their qualification might not be as sharp as a a more tenured MDR or XDR in the business. And so they might have missed some critical information that might not get them over the line. So in terms of hard numbers, I think what we try and do is we always say, do as much as you can and work backwards through your number because your salespeople are incentivized to hit their number. And then they're really bonus on getting over that attainment. So, you know, if we can work together in the first two weeks and really see what metrics they're driving, we can then spend the last two or three weeks of the month sharpening their skills and being able to reduce the amount of churn that they're having. I think new hires typically face a lot of issues around no-shows for meetings. And the crux of that is just selling the importance of the next meeting. We look at those metrics and we try and guide them on what they need to be doing in order 
order to hit their number at the end of the month. Unfortunately, I can't give you hard numbers on what, on what we need to focus on on that, but we try and use it on a case-by-case basis. Those numbers you did throw out there, 30 and 10, I mean, like, is that a ballpark 30 SQLs a month, 10 sales opportunities? Would you say that's a ballpark average for BDR, XDR, or did you completely make those up? Well, the targets are different depending on what territory they're in, right? If we're talking about an SMB, uh, MDR, their target is very different to somebody who's in an enterprise majors function where the sales cycle is quite long. In terms of numbers, if any SQL to SQO ratio between 60 and 80% is a high performer, anywhere over 50% is really a tolerable number and anywhere below that, there needs to be some more coaching or some more training around their qualification or, or their discovery calls and the types of questions that they're asking to convert them. From making calls to committing to meetings, that number can be anywhere between 10 to 25%. And so that sort of gives you the numbers working backwards of the type of activity that they need to make from a call perspective for that calls to turn into connects, to turn into a, a discovery, and then ultimately a meeting with the AE. That, that funnel gets brought down very quickly. Okay, really interesting. I mean, like I could talk on this for hours. I talk about our team and it's a brand new team. It's less than a year old. It's only just past the four person mark. And so I'm so interested in best practice and this type of stats that others are getting. I've always relied entirely on inbound using an SDR or account exec to qualify that inbound lead, but now actually doing outbound is such new territory for me. Always interested in, in what success looks like for others. So, so you also spoke about coaching. In, in terms of your role versus the team lead or the sales manager's role, what's the crossover when it comes to coaching? So to contextualize it, really, you've got to understand that DocuSign's growth has been quite significant. Typically, that onboarding has been led by the managers. And what that did was it pulled the time away from managing the entire team to focusing on those new hires. At any point, there could be a new hire starting every single week at its peak. It was really a high new hire phase that we were going through over the last 18 months. And so that took the focus away from managing the performance of a team to now managing these new hires. So my role was to come in and create some consistency around our onboarding and around our coaching for those new hires so that they received a welcoming or a first four months that really supported them on an individual level and on a team level. So I work directly with the managers. I don't take anything away from the managers other than the onus of helping those new hires get to full productivity and then supporting those new hires throughout their four months. I work incredibly closely with those sales managers to raise any red flags or talk about any additional coaching that's required or or any sort of mentor pieces that we need to deliver in order to get them to where they need to be. Being able to support them is so important and create that employee experience to help deliver a welcome feel and a sense of inclusivity in that organization. Our GM in APAC really talks about doing the work of your life. And I think that's one of our core pillars that we have is come into DocuSign, be a part of the organization. We want to set you up for as much success as we can. And we want to see you progress through the organization. We want to see you keep getting promoted. We want to see you being an advocate for the business. And sometimes depending on when in the month or in the quarter new hires were starting, managers weren't able to give them the type of support that they needed. And the impact was just this domino effect of you missing month one. It's okay. You're going to do well in month two, month three rolls around and you're still not getting to where you need to be because you just weren't able to focus on the small little wins 
that might have otherwise changed your perspective about the business. So we see less of a churn in our organization. We see a much more consistent capability development within those teams as well. People now know what they need to do in order to be successful in the business. They feel supported. And in an online environment, the way that we're working at the moment, they feel that they're part of this network of other new hires as well that they can turn to for some support, turn to for help and turn for, to for, for capability development. Really interesting. So it sounds like there's a combination of in what I would define training and then that is supported by coaching. I don't want to get on my soapbox and explain the difference between what I think training and coaching is. Maybe put that into your court. What's the key differences between the two? Well, I hope we have the same definition. <laughs> I think to me, training is the principles. It's about understanding how to actually do your job. And that can be from a technology perspective. It can be from a process perspective, you know, how to manage your day essentially and the type of tools that you can use along the way in order to be successful. And that's an instruction manual. That training is just how to do your job and let's hope some of the sticks because you're going to be successful through using that. Coaching really leaves the door a little bit more open. To us, it's not about giving you the definitive answer, but it's about giving you the avenue to go and explore different things. It's about going and doing the different A and B testing that you will find suits you best. Yeah, we deal with similar issues all the time with new hires and with more tenured XDRs who face similar challenges. And just being able to be that ear, just being able to be somebody that they can turn to and air their frustrations and talk about some of the challenges that they're dealing with, not even necessarily giving them the answer, but giving them some sort of guidance, that's coaching, right? And it's that analogy of turning somebody from good to great. When we coach, we try and make sure that we're not giving them the keys. We're not giving them all of the answers, but we're giving them the thought, the way, the thought process on how to go about thinking about that challenge in a different way and ultimately being able to guide them in finding that solution in their own time. How about you though, Darren? Is that similar to you? Any other perspective? Yeah. Yeah, very similar. The thing that I would add there is the amount of training that sticks is very low, the recall rate. I think that one of the biggest mistakes that companies make is they go, all right, we're launching a new process or we launch a new product or we launch a new system or new uh, value prop or whatever. And we're going to do an hour, two hour training. There's going to be some slides. Maybe we'll invest in a video. We'll put it on the wiki. And there we go. Now everybody knows this and go off and be great. But if I go back to school or, or university, I can't remember any of the stuff I learned after I wrote the exam. When you go have a beer and it's gone already. So why should it stick anymore when I'm in the work environment? And I think coaching is like you need to be prepared to constantly reinforce the behaviors you want, the, what you want them to remember. I 100% agree with you on your definition plus what I've added there. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in an online environment. Yeah, I think that the bottom button shouldn't be end meeting on Zoom. It should be end memory because it's so often that you give a great piece of training. You think you've absolutely nailed it. Everybody ends the meeting and five minutes later, somebody asks you a question that was on slide two of what you're going after. You're 100% right. Coaching is a culture and coaching is putting that training into practice and being able to refine some of those skills. It's nothing's going to stick, particularly with new highs in their first three weeks weeks, they're learning so much. And throughout the entire journey, they're, they're learning so much that very little of it sticks in just a piece of training. They need to go and put it into action. They need to go and see how this works in the real world uh, and really struggle with it a little bit before they start to ask the real questions, because now they have the experience to know what questions to ask in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. 
yeah, that ability for them to know the questions that, that they need to ask. I hate uh, referencing pandemics, but everyone was in an office. You could walk around, you could hear what people were saying, you could sit in on meetings. What are the tools to be able to coach nowadays? We have a lot of tools and a lot of activities in place that we use to help develop skills. We have in internet our own wiki called ACE, which is Agreement Cloud Experts that people can go and use. And we have training solutions as well, like ACE University, where there's everything that they would need to know, very role specific that they can go and learn those solutions and learn how DocuSign you know, offers value in certain industries or to different personas, et cetera. But what we also do is we encourage more team players. So we have these call captains that we nominate people to schedule call blocks where everybody jumps onto a Zoom call together. They're not able to learn through osmosis naturally the way that they would do in the office. So this is the next best thing of them all dialing onto a call together. Somebody nominates themselves to go first. They make five calls and they leave five great voicemails and they show the type of email that they're sending to the prospect afterwards to get some sort of response. And then it's the next person's turn to do that. And all the while they're showing what they do from a process perspective and from a call perspective, but what they're also offering is the, the chance to be coached by their own peers. So there's this back and forth feedback loop of really saying to them and giving them advice of things that they could do differently on their next call or what's going to make them an even better salesperson or things that they may have missed out on on those calls. So, you know, the benefit that we have is that we're now, now able to learn across regions and territories as well. We bring in our Singapore business, our Asia business into our Australia-based conversations as well. And it allows us to really be an APAC organization rather than simply on a central reporting basis, but from a learning, from a co of training and from a capability development point of view. So using technology and using it in, in non-conventional ways, not just as a training tool, but also as just an open platform. Um, we have open office hours where you send your Zoom details onto the Slack and all you do is sit with Zoom open doing your work. Somebody drops by and they go, hey, Kyle, I just actually had a question. Glad you're on here. Nobody else is. Wanted to ask, how do I do this? So you can start to have those open door policies, even if you're not in the same physical building as them. I really love the concept of getting everybody on and listening in on calls, on voice notes, creating those emails. I'm going to do that from next week. My team's listening to this. You know what's happening on Monday morning, 9 a.m. <laughs> so you can get prepared. There are people listening and they're going, you know what? Actually, I'm being a, a, a typical sales manager. I look at my sales reports and then I go uh, with a stick and I say to my sales reps and I'm like, you're not making enough calls. You don't have enough meetings. What's your, your pipelines are good enough. Your closed dates are outdated. Go and update these. No, that, that standard reporting police. And now I need to change my ways and I need to become more of a coach. I can imagine if Monday morning you rock up and you go and open somebody's contact record in the CRM and they see the emails that have been sent or the cadences or sequences that they've enrolled in. And you say, oh, well, this isn't that great. And you go and get onto a Zoom call and you say, you know what, you should do this differently and you should do that. And why you've got, that's probably going to not be received so well. That might be seen as like, oh, now, they, now he wants to micromanage me even more. So how do you go from having a non-coaching culture to letting the team know, well, you know what, we're here to support you. We're going to coach you all the time. What's that process that you go through to get them to think like that? It's a tough one from sales managers' perspective when you're pressured by the execs 
of why haven't you hit your number this quarter or this month? It's, it's you that needs to bear the brunt of that. So it's a very easy to go and beat somebody with the stick and say, activity, like let's get your activity up. We just need activity up. I think the, the important thing is to be curious and not judgmental. Ask them, ask them the, the right questions. Show me your process. You know, ask that, show me your process question. Show me what, what your activity is going to look like or why are you thinking about these particular plays this week? Or, or show me how do you think you're going to get to your number this week? I'd you know, love to just see the work that you're doing to be inspired by it, or at least just to know that you have a sense of thinking or a sense of strategy about the process that you're going to go through this week or this month in order to attain your number. Providing responsibility for people to own their number and to own their own success is important. But there's also the sense of we need to let people just do what they do and let them be autonomous and they need to just deliver. And if they don't, we'll speak to them about correcting their behavior. But it's when times are going well that you get a bit more out of the people. It's when you when they're in good spirits and it's about when they're in a positive mindset as well of being able to take a step back from a manager's lens and go, how can I use this person's energy and, and their effectiveness to inspire and coach the people around them? And once you give somebody that responsibility to not only be an individual contributor to their own role, but also to inspire those around them to be mentors and to seek out that leadership quality that most salespeople really do have. And, and it's just breaking out and waiting for that opportunity to, to explore. Once you give them those keys and you say, look, Darren, you're doing exceptionally well. Would you mind working with this person? I would, I'd love for you to emulate some of those best practices that you've developed into their work then, into their, their cadence. How can we balance this out together? All of a sudden, you see the entire team lift. And it's not about being the manager. It's not about managing their activity. It's very easy to look at dashboards and be able to know who's performing well based on activities. But it's about how do you look at those intrinsic skills or those softer skills that people have that maybe some other people are lacking, working from home, getting up every day in their own homework environment, turning on their laptop and needing to be inspired. So it's creating that ongoing culture of learning, culture of coaching that's going to benefit the entire team, not just that one individual. So one of the things that you did, I'm not sure if it's so deeply ingrained in you that you don't realize you just did it there, was when I asked about coaching, you immediately went and said, well, you know what, we go to the individuals and we ask them questions. Now, what I've seen is when people think about coaching, they often think, well, I'm going to go up to this person. I'm going to tell them exactly what to do right. Whereas what you've displayed there is, is a better coaching methodology where you ask them, what do you think you could do differently? Is that an intentional method of coaching? It's become something that is ingrained. And I think it comes from sport and being able to, if you're a coach of a sports team, or you're even a participant of a coach team, especially at our age, we don't coach people on how to play. We coach people on how to play better in whatever code of sport that they're doing. And from a coach's perspective, they don't run alongside the player saying, you know, put left foot first, right foot second. They watch, you know, have this sort of fishbowl effect of understanding the motion of play. And that's why you have a, a halftime talk, not a conversation throughout the game. You let mm -hmm. people play. You let people get halfway through the, that game before you say, you know, I think what we need to do is adjust on this based on what they're being able to see and how they're able to see the game playing out. And it's no different in sales. We want to be able to watch 
people, how they perform, how they act, and ultimately be able to ask those questions of, you know, why is it that you're thinking about things in this way? Perhaps what we could be thinking about is this, what do you think of that? And so you ask these questions, these open-ended questions. So I think it's just become a part of my leadership style and maybe it is hands-off at points, but I think it's the right approach to do it, particularly with the individuals that we deal with on a daily basis, young, inspired individuals. They don't want to be cookie cutter. Though. People want to express themselves more and more. You're seeing it all the time through different activities that people do. People want to explore their own creativity, their own uniqueness. And it's just about empowering them to do that and empowering them to use their own uniqueness in a way that drives that positive result. You can't do that by making every single person the mold of yourself. Going back to what we were saying earlier, I think it's also got to do with if you tell somebody something, the probability of them remembering is much lower. But if you ask them a question and they answer, it's almost like a light bulb moment there. And they tend to remember that more than just being told it. Yeah, exactly. It's now their own experience. It's now, what did you experience? How did you feel going through those? And you ask those questions because now it's based on something that's impacted them and something that they can think about doing differently the second or third time around, rather than trying to make it right the first time without them having any context of what they should or shouldn't be doing. So trying to get people involved, get them engaged in everything that you do, especially in coaching, especially in training, trying to show their or allow them to show the rest of the team. I think primary school teachers do this so well, where they call somebody up to the front of the class to show how to draw a cursive A, for example. It's teaching that individual as much as it is about teaching the rest of the class. In terms of the topics that are trained and coached on, what percentage of that is general sales skill and then DocuSign kind of products and value proposition skill? It's almost 50-50, I'd say. Maybe more of a steer towards sales skills and development. We encourage people to read particular books to help them develop. We throw links of YouTube videos that will help inspire them to be better salespeople as well. We get external coaches to come and speak to our teams, your trainers to come and speak to our teams just to offer a different perspective on how to sell. Some of the, the issues that we face are quite repetitive and it's simple things. It's things like time management or managing cadence or managing the conflicts that they have within the teams uh, and how to deal with those. And, And it's very prescriptive training that we provide on that where helping somebody manage their day is not rocket science. It's just about creating a bit of structure in their day that they perhaps weren't able to put together themselves. On the other side of that, understanding the value of how we how we make a difference in our customers' lives is equally important. I think it's so easy to sell on features and functionalities and cost that we forget about value. And so reminding them of, of getting into the sales habit of thinking about value that we can offer and that what's in it for me mentality of what's in it for our customers and why should they spend the time listening to you and ultimately buy your solution or your product or, or whatever it is. It needs to be understood that 
competitors are all the same. They're all going to be able to do very similar features and functionality and compete on cost. And once you get to a competition on cost, you've lost the fight and you've lost that potential to make a difference. But once you start to talk about that, creating value in an organization and, and driving that value and, and helping your salespeople understand that, that's when you win. And so for us, it's about balancing those two things. It's managing people's process and their time and sharpening their skills and being able to articulate what value really means in the mind of the customer. Okay, so let me be very direct. My understanding of DocuSign is it's an e-signature platform, right? So when you talk about value, what do you mean? Are you meaning like the salesperson must rather talk about the speed at which you can onboard or gain new customers and not talk about the actual e-signature features? contextualize that, like what you mean by value? Sure. What we want is our customers' customers to think about us as just the company that helps people sign stuff, right? We're taken out of the equation of we're not a complicated tool to use. We have great user experience. We have integrations, et cetera. Like that to us is a very good thing. It's a good thing for us to be in a, we help customers sign stuff mentality. But DocuSign as an organization is really about this agreement process or this contract lifecycle management. And it's it goes from being able to prepare those documents, send and sign those documents, receive them and manage that process as well. And so we have these four tiers around prepare, sign, act, manage. And when we talk about value that we offer customers, it's about understanding what value that can offer a customer within their line of business or within their industry. Your HR lines of business are constantly struggling with getting people to sign documentation that they send through. Some, some of that information might be wrong. They need to print that off, go to a post office and get it sent back physically, or it's received via email, thrown into junk mail, and it's just lost in that way. And so for us as a value, it's about understanding what their agreement process, and that's what we talk about is the being in the world of agreements, not in the world of contracts. We want the world to be more agreeable. We want that agreement side of things, the positive side of things to be less onerous on every part of the organization. And so when we talk about value, we're talking about speed to revenue, reduction of error rates, increase of security around being able to manage that contract process as well. And then that simplicity around using it. You as a sales director, a sales manager in your business, getting your salespeople to create those documents is taking time away from them being able to sell. And so when you can remove the onus of them having to create that documentation to then send to uh, prospects and wait for those contracts to come back and it, you might miss months or quarters in terms of revenue generation or hitting your number. And that just sits at a compliance piece of waiting for multiple people to sign those contracts to get them back. That's when we start to talk about value. And this is quite a selfless punt here uh, or pitch here, Darren. I appreciate you giving me the platform <laughs> to do it, but it's not the purpose of this. But I think every organization needs to know about what difference they make in a business or what service they sell. Like I really wanted to put it into context. That was my goal there, not necessarily to, to give you the platform, but uh, <laughs> really wanted to give that context. So uh, one other thing that I wanted to touch, we only have a few minutes left, is you mentioned some books that you get a team to read. Can you name one or two of those books? One of probably my favorite authors is a guy by the name of Tony Hughes, a book that I've recommended loads of people and have actually bought for several people uh, is a book called Combo Prospecting. Uh, I think that that's the fantastic way of being able to articulate value selling to people. And then the second one is Fanatical Prospecting as well, not by Tony Hughes. I can't remember the author's name. Have a look. I'm pretty sure it's in every good bookstore. Fanatical Prospecting is another one that helps XDRs 
be able to work through their process and be more effective in their role. And then I suppose maybe not necessarily for the XDRs, but for sales management, I mean, one of my favorites is Mark Roberge's sales acceleration formula. Have you read, have you read that one? Yeah, I haven't read that one, no. Okay. Well, you gave me two books to read. I'll give you one in return. Perfect. Yeah, good. I'm up for a new book. So that sounds great. <laughs> All right. So last question. If you want to leave us with one piece of advice to make your sales team more efficient, what would that be? Ask them what they need. If we're still working from home, if some of your staff are working in an online environment and you're not sure about the situations that they're working in, giving them a call, a random call, that has got nothing to do with their performance and their inputs or their outputs. Have that conversation about what's driving them or, or keeping them uh, at night or what might be stressing them or, or things that you can take away from them that's going to help them be better salespeople. I think resiliency, mental health at the moment is something that is significant in any organization. We're seeing the mass resignation globally happen. And I think that's become uh, a part of people's lives now about understanding what's important to them. And I think if you want to hold on to great talent, you need to know what's driving them or how you can get the best out of them. So be curious, don't be judgmental and facilitate an open conversation to let your salespeople flourish. Uh, thanks for that, Kyle. And thanks for joining us both on Grow With Inbound and also as this has been put onto the podcast as well, Digital Surfing. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you today. Excellent, Darren. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.